You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Wherever you are, whenever you are, however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Linda, oh, Linda, Squarespace, Squarespace, and Five Four Club. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, and I'm joined by my friend, Christian Spicer. And the two of us, this episode, have to start uh, a little sad, and uh, that is because Christian and I lost a friend this week. Perhaps you heard about it. The entire gaming community lost a friend this week, and uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't do any of the show Without acknowledging that right at the top, our friend Andrew Yoon, who was a colleague uh, on the Weekend Confirmed podcast, and we did that. He worked for Shack News, which hosted that show. He did an episode of this show, DLC, and he was a friend and uh, a really talented, fun, great guy. And I know, Christian, you share my condolences for his family and uh, just a, a real love for that that guy, always a positive attitude. He had such a vibrant personality. Uh, he was um, a good guy. He was generous with his time for us. He was insightful when it came to video games. And he lived uh, a really wonderful life. He had just a couple of years ago, as he mentioned when he was a guest on DLC uh, a couple of months back, he had just quit his job in games journalism and ventured out into game design and had designed his first board game called Divorce the Card Game, which uh, by all accounts is a really fun game. I still haven't had a chance to play it, but I hope to. Um, anyway, Christian, um, I know you share my uh, my sorrow in this moment, and, and uh, we couldn't start the show the normal exuberant way. Uh, we had to, uh, had to acknowledge the sad passing of Andrew Yoon. Yeah, go back and uh, read stuff he wrote at Joystick or listen to Weekend Confirmed episodes if you want to get a sense. He um, loved everything and uh was just the nicest of people and always on point fashion wise and just a i mean just a ray of sunshine i was a jerk on weekend confirmed right i was a uh, uh <laughs> a debbie downer and i always loved doing shows with him because it was such such a fun cat and mouse we would play where i would try my darndest to bring him down <laughs> and we would uh bond over our love of f-zero gx and um it sucks there's not a better way to put it and it, it's a horrible part of life. And the only upside of it, I think, is that the only reason it hurts is because you had such a wonderful time knowing them. If you didn't, it would just be like, whatever, who cares? It'd be, you know, an, an ant or something inconsequential. But um, the good times were great. And that's what makes the, the sadder times sadder. Um, 
so yeah, and there's a GoFundMe for his uh, family and for memorial funds you can find. And um, yeah, it's it's um, the best thing to do is acknowledge uh, how wonderful of a person he was and you know move on from there the best everyone can. Yeah, yeah. You, you said uh, you mentioned his his great fashion sense. That's something that I'll never forget. He, I always called him the best dressed man in gaming. Uh, he was into anime in a huge way. He was into cosplay in a huge way. Always had awesome cosplays going back 10 years or more. And uh, just a, a fantastic guy. Uh, a guy who will be missed. And um, so uh, our, our heart goes out to his family. And uh, I really appreciate, especially on our subreddit at DLC, there was a lot of outpouring of support and fond remembrances of Andrew. Um, so anyway, we will still do a regular episode. I just needed to acknowledge that right here at the top. And, and maybe we can do a, a quick moment of silence for Andrew Yoon. Um, sadly, at the at the young age of 29, um, he's he's gone. So just a, a moment of silence here. Okay, uh, so we'll we'll get back on the horse and, and do an episode of DLC. We're talking video games, we're talking fun stuff. And uh, DLC, of course, is always your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. Uh, but this week we have an, an awesome guest, and we actually got a suggestion for what DLC should stand for from Twitter. At Sidox on Twitter said the DLC should stand for David Loves Cheapness this week, because we've got Cheapy D himself, the creator Hello. of Cheap Ass Gamer. David Abrams. Hey, Cheapy. How's it going, man? It's, uh, it's, it's going well. That was a tough intro right there to, yeah. <laughs> to come in on. But uh, no, thank you that. for having me on. And uh, yeah, thank you. Well, I can, well, I can say this. Uh, I know it's always, it's always difficult. I can say one thing. Um, Cookie Cruncher is still a horrible game. Uh, I can lighten the mood <laughs> Cookie with Cooker, that. I think. Cook, whatever it is, it's garbage. And I can also say... Cheapy, your show, the CAGCast, is the very first video game podcast I ever listened to. I mean, you you are, like it or not, you are the elder statesman, one of the elder statesmen of video game podcasting. Like, one-up yours and the CAG... What are you on? Episode 400? 350? Almost. We're almost at 400. In like, just a couple away. Incredible. Thank you for doing this, this young neophyte one-year-old <laughs> show. <laughs> it's a baby show for babies. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to have you here, and we're, we are going to uh, start the show as we always do with Story of the Week. I just didn't want that to be a, a Story of the Week, even though a lot of people submitted it as such. It, it doesn't, it feels like it it cheapens his memory to, to have it sort of just be a story. It, it was so much more than that, because he was a friend. So, uh, but we will start the show as we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for what the most important stories that happened in the world of gaming were this week. Uh, Cheapy, as our guest, you get first pick. Of course, people can always submit their stories to us uh, on our subreddit at uh, reddit.com slash r slash 5x5dlc or by using our hashtag on Twitter, that's DLCSOTW. So Cheapy, what is your pick for Story of the Week? Uh, let's go, let's go with the joystick one, joystick shutting down. I mean, that's a, that's a huge story. And I mean, I hate to go from sadness to sadness, but, yeah. but, uh, joystick's been around since 2004 and I, I had gotten to know those guys from the very beginning. Um, they were always like the classier outlet, right? I mean, they never, 
they never seem to get sucked down in like clickbaiting and misleading headlines and all that stuff that the other sites uh, seem to get mixed up in. Uh, but uh, here they are. They're, they're being shut down for sure. Yeah, strange situation this week where Joystick actually reported on their own demise. Um, they were sort of the first place to break the news, which is oddly meta and strange. But yeah, Joystick was always my go-to video game news site, and I'm particularly stung by this. Um, Zav Damatos was just on our show, what, two or three weeks ago, and uh, he had no idea that this was in the offing. And it's not just Joystick, it's also Massively.com, which was another go-to site for me for MMO-related news. Uh, all these AOL properties are being shuttered. They are firing a whole bunch of people who are really talented, who really brought a great voice to gaming. And as you said, this was a great place to go that didn't have snark. It didn't have that kind of weird, messy format that I think has become all too prevalent now where you can't really tell what's an article and what's an ad. You aren't just getting video game news. You're also getting new uh, movie news and sort of pan geek entertainment all jumbled together. I actually, I would love for any listeners that have a, a great replacement for joystick in mind, another site that they go to that functions the same way. I'm, I'm afraid there isn't one, but uh, I'd love people to tweet at me uh, at Jeff Kanata if you have a, a replacement for joystick. Cause I, you know, I go to Polygon, I go to Kotaku, I go to rock, paper, shotgun. I go to a lot of places. There isn't anything that is as clear and as focused as joystick was for me. It's a bummer. Yeah, that's literally the only video game website, video game, you know, dedicated website that I would go to every day, oftentimes multiple times a day. And when I heard they were closing, I mean, I thought Joystick wasn't going to close. And then I clicked this link and my life was changed forever, I think was the article. No, um, it's sad. I, I, You do have to wonder, though, what is the sadder thing? joystick closing or the fact that perhaps because they never did any of that clickbaity type stuff or misdirect with ads and this that and the other is that why they're is that part of why they're closing or is part of why they're closing because they were owned by AOL and what the what that's still a company like how is how is joystick closing but AOL isn't <laughs> yeah well Brian Crescente on uh, over on Polygon now he you know he's the founder of Kotaku back in the day uh, he wrote an interesting op-ed piece about how it's really the end of a certain type of video game blog service that, that, you know, kind of came into power in like 2004 and really had five years there where that was how people got their video game news. And it just isn't that way anymore. And it, it's sad to me as someone who valued that kind of easily accessible news and news that's uncluttered. I find myself mourning that thing. I don't, I don't enjoy getting, um, you know, pursuing news stories in ways that are more personality driven and more video and all that stuff. I, you know, as somebody who has created video and, and creates audio uh, about news stories, I still prefer getting raw news and having a place that I can get raw news that is uh, attempting to be um, you know, sans personality and, and sort of coming at it with a, a, a bit of integrity. <laughs> I, um, you know, I'd love to find a place that can, that can do that. And that still does that. And that isn't to, that isn't to take away from a lot of these other great sites. Cause I, I find value in, in Polygon and on all those others that I named, I just, they don't, none of them do exactly what joystick did. And, and it's a loss for the community, yeah. in my opinion. 
What are your go-tos, Cheapy? I mean, I listen to enough CADcast to know that you're not the biggest uh, gaff reader. Or I think you said you'll read you know, the first post and then kind of skip through the rest. I don't, I don't <laughs> really read it too often unless somebody links me to something specifically. So what's your? do you have a, a news dive in where you go or just kind of Twitter? Is that kind of where you get most of your stuff now for gaming? I use uh, Feedly, you know, the RSS reader. Mm-hmm. And I just have a bunch of sites plugged in there. I know it's not very romantic or anything like that, but <laughs> but that's that's what I do, and that's how I that's how I. I want romance news. in my video game news. That's what I need is a little romance. Right. Well, you know what I mean. I mean <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I don't even know where the headline is coming from, and I don't know necessarily that I care so much. Is you know, if I'm just reading it in a quick RSS format, you know, I may not really care. Uh, uh, so. E- business idea it's fabio.feedly.com and you get your links with a little bit of romance (laughs) there you go uh ozzy um in the in the chat here our friend ozzy from shack news said the joystick is what made him want to get into that line of work which is interesting and uh another interesting from the uh the chat i lost it uh eth demon says that twitter replaced joystick do you guys think that People are just sort of getting their news from Twitter now and don't care about a link being posted as long as the the headline is there on, on Twitter. You don't need to click a link. You just understand what is going on. I mean, is it have we reached that level of shallowness? I think people are clicking the link. I think they may just not care where the link is going to. You know, the friend yeah. posts a link from somewhere and, you know, they're using Twitter as I'm using an RSS reader, basically. And they don't really care necessarily where it's coming from. And it happens to be that Twitter is a, a pretty good news delivery platform. Uh, I know like Cheap Ass Gamer, we use it to deliver, you know, deal news and it works great for that. I mean, you just need, all you need is a sentence and a link basically. And Twitter delivers that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's a sad, sad story to start off with. Christian, do you have uh, something maybe a little, a little happier? I- Let's keep the march going. Um, <laughs> no. Well, th- it's give and take. So Club Nintendo is closing, and they say they're going to relaunch a new Nintendo loyalty reward. And I think Club Nintendo is a thing that was awesome in Japan. And and when we found out it was going to come to the U.S., we were like, finally, we're going to get some cool Nintendo trinkets. Because Club Nintendo was kind of where you got official and weird Nintendo swag before um, Amiibos <laughs> took that crown. Um, but now Nintendo has said Club Nintendo is closing. But just today, they announced the final hurrah of, of all the stuff that is available for you to spend your, your fake digital points on. And they have some actual physical merchandise. I think the best is the Majora's Mask. They have a Majora's Mask tote or um, messenger bag, which I think I read the description right and I looked at pictures. I think this is right. I think it's a black messenger, a black canvas bag with black graphic on it. It's <laughs> kind of weird. Black on very black. Urban. Yeah. 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 It's like that um, urban camo. I don't know. But before Club Nintendo used to release like one or two 3DS games or, you know, eShop games you can get for a few points. There are a ton of of games available. If you still have Club Nintendo points, this is the good news. This is the silver lining. Holy crap. Um, and from eShop to Virtual Console to full retail, I know Wonderful 101 is available for 600 points on the Wii U, on the 3DS, uh, 3D Land, Mario 3D Land is available, Donkey Kong Country Returns is available for 600 coins. Like, if you have coins sitting around, this is this is awesome. The sad news is, 
I don't get, I guess the question is to, to cheapy you and Jeff, like what, why are you closing and you're going to reopen another? Is this just a rebrand? Is this just a news story to get Nintendo in the news in January or February, wherever we are now? Like, I don't quite understand the, we're closing it, but we're going to bring something else back. I don't understand. Well, they've done this before. It's a cyclical thing. They, they close whatever, I can't remember what the thing was before Club Nintendo, but it was a Nintendo Power something or other, but and then they made Club Nintendo. So it's like, it's just this cycle of, well, that's, we're exhausting that and we're stopping that because we can't keep on doing this forever and we're going to start something new. I think it's, it's a smaller deal than maybe we're making it out to be, you know? I don't know. Cheapy, what do you think? It could just be more a push to more digital prizes instead of little tchotchkes right. <laughs> to keep hanging out with, with Mario on them. Um, but because usually they don't have that many games for available right but now i know now they do as part of this going away thing um so maybe it's more pushed towards that i think it's like anything i i bet you would find that even in the retail space or even in the um i guess this is the retail space but even in the like like fast food industry you know i bet companies retire their you know 15th sandwich is free thing periodically just to make it so that somebody doesn't walk in with a card 20 years old and say, where's my sandwich? They just, I think that they, I think that's just what they do, but I'm not an expert in that area. I just kind of sense that from the fact that my sandwich cards tend to expire. (laughs) (laughs) Those are always similar, like where products like Doritos or I don't know, pick a, pick a snack where they'll have something on the, on the box, like new look, same great taste, or even better, like, uh, same look, but better taste, which is kind of like, did you like the old Cheerios? Idiot. <laughs> now they're good. <laughs> well, I, I guess it is just marketing, but. Are, did anybody, were any of you guys in Club Nintendo? Because I wasn't. I tend to not even participate in these things, even though I probably could have gotten a lot of points with the amount of games that I acquire. But I, I, don't, I don't even, it doesn't really affect me. Oh, well, I'm in it. And I'm looking at some <laughs> of the, I'm looking at some of these games. I don't understand cheapy i don't understand how you're not in this when i mean i know ship got you into uh shipwreck got you into the best buy rewards like i feel like this is up your alley and you were in japan where you got cool stuff well so people used to send me their people who would import games from japan to america would send me their japanese club nintendo points because they couldn't use them but I, i don't i think i got one prize and and lost interest I don't know. Man, you're killing me. I don't you're need it. I don't, I don't like to have a lot of junk. Tote bags. To just junk. put all your junk in the tote bag, and then you could tote yeah. your junk from place to place. Oh. Tote bag is, is kind of high on my junk scale. <laughs> you know, backpack, tote bag. Yeah, you know, I hear Cheap you. sunglasses. Actually, I like cheap sunglasses. I'll take that back. Yeah, you should like... This is all cheap ass stuff this is like right up your alley it's like as cheap yeah. as it can be I, I don't i like to keep my life simple try to get <laughs> I, I threw out a lot of stuff when i moved i'm trying to keep it you know junk free all right well no, I, I will i, I will take you up the news uh, yes i will take up the responsibility of of lightening the uh the story of the week uh, segment because i think this is a feel-good story and is awesome especially if you watch the video of this guy's twitch stream we have ladies and gentlemen the first ever grandmaster of tetris outside of japan he's an american kid his name is kevin burrell and he is amazing 
we all know, having listened to DLC this last year, we all know that Tetris is the the greatest game of all time. It's it's not even an argument. It, Tetris rises above all games and becomes the greatest game of all time. And this guy, there are only five grandmasters of Tetris on the planet, and he became the sixth and the first person to do it outside of Japan. And you can watch him do it. The entire, like, two-hour process is on Twitch. He recorded the entire thing. Uh, I would recommend watching at least the last, not the last, but like the right before he does it, there's like a a chunk of of like five minutes there where he's not sure he did it or not. By the way, the process of becoming a Tetris Grandmaster is redonkulous. He's playing Tetris. It's not just putting it on your resume because I did that five years ago. How how many jobs did that get you? This one. (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) Um so, so he's playing Tetris the Grandmaster 3 Terror Instinct, which I've never even heard of. But uh, so you need to get a Master M ranking four times in your most recent seven games, which means blasting through 999 pieces, meeting a certain grading and timing requirement, and then completing the credit sequence of the game, which is when all the the pieces become invisible. So you don't even know what you're putting them on. And it's blindingly fast. This guy is like a robot. Interestingly, he's playing with like an arcade stick, which I thought was, uh, in, you know, an interesting point of note. But I highly recommend people watching this. First of all, it's an amazing feat to see how fast his brain processes the pieces. And secondly, his genuine reaction to achieving the grade when he's sort of sitting there wondering if he did it or not. And the game goes, doot, doot. He's like, oh, I did it. It's so great. Um, so anyway, this is definitely a feel-good story. Cheapy, are you uh, – what would you say your ranking at Tetris is? <laughs> it's it's pretty horrible. I've never been good at that game. I've always liked it. I like I like the music especially. Um, I even made a remix. I took a, a DJ Assault song and I remixed it with a theme from Tetris. It's called Ass in Tetris. So you can look that up on YouTube if you want. But I'm just – I – Never was a fan of the of. I mean, I was a fan of the game, but was never any good at it. But I don't know. You can't use a, a, a joystick with it and be a grandmaster, can you? I don't well, know. If I, evidently, if I, in the in the chat room, Chris Wellman once telling us that it's because the game he's playing is the arcade version from Japan. Ah, so, so that's evidently the only that's why. Yeah, I guess that's the only way to play it. But uh, it's a it's a sight to behold to watch him play. I mean, the pieces are out and on the you know uh, and dropped to the bottom before I have even registered what the piece is he's working at a level that is redonkulous and it's a really cool video too because he's there with his friend like his buddy is hanging out with him in the same room and when it happens his buddy like doesn't even get it he's like wait you it, is that it and he's like yeah man that's it i did it. he's like bouncing off the wall so excited and his friend's like but okay what did i just witness here explain it to me uh it's it's great it's really really I just watch some guy play tetris for five hours he's bringing his mush. <laughs> yeah exactly true we have some great stuff in the chat. Ozzy said, uh, we've got people playing Street Fighter on a pad and Tetris on an arcade stick. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that guy who won the the Street Fighter tournament won it on a PlayStation 1 pad. And then Kent Doggy Dog, he's so good at Tetris, even when he poops, it forms straight lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought what that is, was awesome. So you don't need to, neither of you need to have your answer now because I'm springing this on you. This wasn't pre- uh, plan, but this gets me thinking. What would you guys consider is the game that you are best at, or the game that you were best at? I, I, your skills can be rusty, but you know, back in the day, 
what did you crush at or what can you still Man. do the best in? Right. We can and think I, about it. That's easy for me. I have, cause I'm not too good at anything. <laughs> um, so it's a very short list. Uh, NHL series, the EA NHL series. I've always played that since it came out. So especially, you know, the old, the old ones, especially cause I probably put more hours. Like the those. game in the movie swingers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So all of the, I mean, all of those. And in college, yeah. like we just all, that's all we did was like make tournaments of that and, you know, very nerdy. Uh, so that one and also Super Bomberman for Super Oh, Nintendo. that's a, that's also, a high skill game for sure. That, that's a, it's another game that you can just keep in your college dorm room and people will just be coming in and out of your room all day to, to get in on the action. So probably, probably those two only. And now I'm sure I'm horrible. Uh, I used to have some mad skills at Street Fighter 2 back in the day. I mean, I couldn't, obviously couldn't rock any tournaments even then. Uh, although I did enter a few tournaments and I did okay, but they were like local, you know, local arcade things where it's like, you know, there was like two kids in town that were any good, uh, me being one of them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I felt like I could hold my own in Street Fighter 2 before people were counting frames of animation. And, right. that uh, was better. It was better then. You didn't have to worry about all that nonsense. Yeah, you know, I think min maxers ruin everything, really. To be honest, but uh, you know, I could be sort of competent at at games, and then it's like, oh no, there's the kid who you know spent an hour analyzing video or whatever. Um, and now I think, I think I'm actually getting pretty good at Heroes of the Storm. I think oh. I can roll pretty large on that game. I was hoping you'd say that. Oh, man. I cannot wait for it to go full access and you realize you're horrible. <laughs> oh, I get my butt kicked. I certainly get my butt kicked, you know. But, you know, it's a team game, so I always blame it on my teammates. <laughs> no, I I think I'm pretty decent. In fact, I, I was going to – I want to throw out this, and I may regret it, but I definitely would love if there's people listening to the show that are good – I want to play with people better than me. And I have a bunch of guys that I play with that are good. I, I really want to join like a serious ranked team and see how well I can do and like learn. And, and if, so if there's anybody out there that has a good team, that's already level 30, cause I, I just hit level 30, which is when you can get into the ranked play of heroes of the storm. I, I would love to join your group. So contact me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata. I, I may regret this, but I think, I think so that could be really cool. Basically what you're asking is, are you a gamer that isn't also um, having a career in Hollywood? And are you actually good at games? <laughs> and not just kind of good? And good at talking about good, them? Yeah. I, think I think I'm decent. I think I'm decent. Uh, but I could probably end up realizing that that's not true. <laughs> my uh, game, my game, which isn't at... Uh, I've gotten handed... My, my butt handed to me by some people that and I realize what really good is, but NFL Blitz and then NFL Blitz 2000. Every year, having the Super Bowl being yesterday, if you're listening to this live or on Monday when it comes out, every year, uh, sans the last four years, but every year until then, after it came out, I would host an NFL Blitz 2000 tournament um, before the Super Bowl started at my place and we'd have a Super Bowl party and I was really good at NFL Blitz 2000 back in the day. On the Dreamcast is how I played it. What a game. Also a skill on your resume, but uh, very strangely, this job is the only one that you've had <laughs> respects that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting good at stuff, guys, I have to thank our first sponsor, which is lynda.com. lynda.com is the great is the place to go to learn how to get good at stuff. Since it's already February, you can you may 
not have started your 2015 learning things, but now's a great time to start. Invest in yourself this year. Start learning something new at lynda.com. We'll give you a free 10-day trial. It's lynda.com. The place used by millions of people all around the world has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. And all of their courses are taught by experts. And new courses are added to the site Every week. This isn't like some shoddy YouTube type lesson where you're not sure who the guy is and the video isn't very well done. No, 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 no. This is all super high quality. Whether you want to start new financial goals, find work life balance, invest in a new hobby, or ask your boss for a raise. Lynda.com has something for everyone. And because you listen to this show, we're going to hook you up with a 10-day free trial by visiting lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash D-L-C. It's very important that you do that. You'll get you your 10-day free trial. And we got, if you're into video game design or, or you're curious about video game design, why not use that 10-day free trial to learn about Unity? They have Unity 3D training on the site. They have this cool course that's called uh, Foundations of Programming, Programming for Kids. So maybe if you're a parent or you're a young person that, you know, just kind of wants to understand what programming is about, it's awesome. It's really, really cool. They also have another course called Code Clinic, which is this series where every month, lynda.com issues a code challenge, and then the authors share their solutions using a variety of different programming languages. It's really, really cool. It's interactive. It's awesome. Lynda.com slash DLC. Remember, it's L-Y-N-D-A. They have sponsored our show. They're hooking you up with a free 10-day trial, and it's an awesome way to learn. Just give it a shot. Lynda.com slash DLC for your 10-day free trial. All right, guys. Um, You mentioned football video games. How crazy is it that Madden 15 nailed the final score? Uh, in their prediction simulation of the Super Bowl. Are you guys blown away by this, or do you think it's a uh, a fluke coincidence? Cheapy, what do you think? I think they uh, threw the pass there at the end just to get the score to match. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a big conspiracy. It's all rigged. It's EA rigging the game. I mean, this is great publicity for the Madden series. No, I- uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't, you know, I don't know what it means. How many? There, I'm sure that there. Are, how often have they been right before throughout uh, Madden's history? I don't the believe they've time? ever been. I don't think they've ever been exact on the final score, but they've predicted the winner fairly often, which is you know a credit to them. They even predicted in this one that the pa- Patriots would be down twenty four fourteen or yeah fourteen twenty four, and then would come back to win twenty eight twenty four. I mean that's pretty crazy. What do you think, Christian? Uh, I just think that there's a guy named Biff with a sports almanac from 2015 yeah. that's finally coming home to roost. <laughs> <laughs> he got a job at EA, which is what any time traveler would do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Awesome. Uh, it is, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Uh, did you guys see this Unreal 4 virtual Paris apartment demo? Um, evidently, the uh, 3D artist Benoit Devereux, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, he's uh, an artist that worked on Dishonored, posted a recreation of this Paris apartment done completely in Unreal Engine 4. And it's it's basically looks like somebody walked in with a video camera and, and recorded a beautiful, gorgeous, high-end apartment. 
It's got a lot of people excited for what Unreal can be. Of course, it's non-interactive as far as, you know, none of the objects actually work and none of them are 3D. Uh, I mean, the 3D model, but they don't have any physics. You can't move them around. It's it's very static. But holy moly, does it look cool. Did you guys see this? Should you check it out? I haven't checked it out. Um, <laughs> I can I can envision the Assassin's Creed game wrapped around it that doesn't work in like three years. But, uh, <laughs> I, I don't it's know. I'll check Creed. it out later, but... I, I hate to say this, but I have to go and, and pick up my son from school now. Uh, oh, we're sad to lose you, but uh, we appreciate you hanging out as long as you you did, and um, we'll hope to have you back sometime soon. Yeah, when my son graduates from school, and then we'll there you go. <laughs> be perfect. But thanks, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for jumping on for a bit, Chibi. Later. So that story was submitted by Datsim1015 on uh, Twitter, and we appreciate that. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. I love the idea of an Assassin's Creed that takes place in one apartment room. <laughs> one <laughs> one small apartment in Paris. So yeah, who's he gonna assassinate now? It's it's the male guy. Anyway, go ahead. Um it, because he just left and he didn't have time, it's at CheapyD on Twitter and his website is Cheapass Gamer and they do a podcast as well. My question for you, Jeff, on this demo though, is WTF Unreal 4? Is it real? Like I feel like every other Unreal the game comes out, Gears, or whatever it is. I mean, where's Fortnite? Is, I mean, is are all these rumors of Epic not really doing anything? I feel like the longer we Well, wait, they had nothing to do with this. This I is know. some guy doing it. Oh, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, will Unreal 4... And, and I, I, yes, people listening, I, I have seen your feedback where you hate my industry speculation questions, but guess what? I like them. <laughs> I mean, is Unreal 4 going to be Unreal 3? Can anything be Unreal 3? That that engine was everywhere. And Unreal 4, we're seeing some cool things, and they're trying to give it away for free, and this apartment looks cool. But, okay, neat. I mean, what what does this mean for you or for gaming? I, I don't know. I saw it, and I was like, that looks neat. And it's like, oh, it's not interactive at all. I guess it was built in Unreal 4. But you know what I did? I took a picture on my iPhone of an apartment, and it looks real, and I can't interact with those objects either. Well, I mean, I don't think that this was attempting to do anything other than create a beautiful space that looked very realistic. And and I think it shows that it's a very powerful engine. And, you know, you know, I, I feel like I can't give you a very a specific one but i feel no, like there it. has give me a very specific one <laughs> well i feel like there has been these things in previous engine generations where we see this demo and it's like oh well who cares but then you know three four five years down the line games look like what that engine showed and i think that they it really is a preview of the kinds of things we're going to get graphics are just going to keep getting better and clearly this engine can handle that level of fidelity so why not get excited that games are going to look this good? I just, I, I think I guess it's cool. Because the only engine I get excited about is the engine that drives the hype train. Choo-choo! <laughs> I mean, yes, I, that's what I, I guess, I think you're saying a Jeff Kanata positive outlook of the same thing that I'm saying, where it's, yeah, okay, great. Graphics get better. Cool. Like uh, neat, it's gonna happen. Let's keep marching towards it. But what I guess the the other side of it that I don't know if you really did address is is Unreal being this powerhouse of an engine and Epic actually doing anything with it or other companies doing anything with it. I see Unreal Four kind of becoming Dune, Dune, uh, ID Tech and Doom engines where 
it's a super powerful engine that gets built and then kind of nothing happens because who cares and then that company's not even really using it and then all of a sudden it's just like do you know what was a really great game last year uh brothers and but that's I, I think that's patently false i think you're going to see so many games using unreal 4 i think it's going to be i think it's going to be one of the most used engines of this generation i you know i think that that's already bearing fruit we're seeing so many games being announced with unreal as their engine no well i hope i hope you're right and i hope they end up looking like uh this apartment um so far i think you know we've talked about it. the order looks beautiful but people say the gameplay is kind of meh and then i think uncharted looks great halo 5 looks fantastic so there are games that are looking fan- drive club looked fantastic um but not to tease what i've been playing but i went back to play an old gamecube game this past week and again, art design and art direction can go a long way to cover up for crappy graphics. I don't know if I need an apartment to look like a real apartment in France. If I can have, I mean, Sunset Overdrive looked great, right? I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of hype train, I know you're a Lego game guy. Are you excited about the new Lego games that just got announced? Avengers and Jurassic World? Jurassic World interests me. Avengers, I don't quite understand how that isn't a more limited Marvel superheroes. I mean, I know it will be big. I think they're just putting a popular title on a Lego game, like the Lego DC games are called Lego Batman. And it's not, I mean, it is, but you know what I mean? Um, We already did a Marvel superheroes. Crap. What can we call this one? Avengers? But these games are great. I, I feel like skip them for a couple of years and then dive back in at a property you like. They're consistently fun and they consistently keep getting you know, a little bit better each time. And if you haven't played one since Lego Batman one or whatever, and you love these properties, I, I can't imagine you won't have tons of fun with these games. And the good news is they go on sale pretty quickly after they come out because so many come out. I mean, star Wars, the complete trilogy is still a great, a great, great game that you can find very cheaply. If you're looking for something to play, you, uh, never, I tra- kept trying to get you into Marvel heroes. You even borrowed yeah. it. And I what about the Lego it. games? Yeah. What don't, uh, I, th- I thought you'd be more into them. It's collecting, unlocking, nerdy. Yeah. Isms. Yeah. 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 So why the, why? Yeah. And not, yeah. Uh, I feel they're pretty simplistic and they don't, they don't, I love the Lego aesthetic, but I feel like I wish they were all in the Lego aesthetic, the way the Lego movie is in the Lego aesthetic. I feel like you've got some Lego bits stuck in a video game world rather than the entire video game world created out of Lego, which, which would get me much more excited to be in that world. And I think generally, generally speaking, they just, it just feels a little, a little simplistic. And I don't, I don't get the joy out of the Lego world by running up, pushing X to construct something. The puzzles are a little fun. The combat's a little fun. Everything's a little fun. It's just not, I, you know, maybe if I had kids to play with, a lot of people talk about how great games they are to play co-op with, with your kids. You know, if if that was my world, maybe I would enjoy them more. Uh, I think the answer to your question about why is it Lego Avengers and not just Marvel superheroes? I think this probably more closely ties to the, the films and the film, narratives i mean clearly jurassic world they say is going to have all four of the jurassic movie plots in the game so wait the movies have different plots other than dinosaurs show up and f things up well that's the plot but (laughs) maybe i'll just say exact dialogue moments (laughs) um as long as one of them has the uneven or the even parallel bars is that jurassic park three where they (laughs) i I think so i try to block that out but yes that would be amazing in lego uh (laughs) 
Do you th- you don't think there's any fatigue of these Lego? You can think and just keep finding new IP to stick the Lego license onto, and it'll all still all be good. I mean, I think there's individual fatigue for sure. I can't say that someone isn't justifiably sick of them, but I also think the same way the argument some people make for Nintendo. There are new gamers coming in. This is someone's first Mario Kart. This is someone's first Nintendo game. To some extent, I think Lego does that better than anyone else because if Mario 3D World was really your first Mario game, that game can get difficult at times, much more so than I feel like Super Mario Brothers was. And the Lego games aren't that. And they have co-op and they're brands that stay relevant and that are new and exciting things. So as a kid turns six or eight or ten or whatever the age when they dive into these games they're going to be something for them to be excited about imagine if we had transformers the movie lego game when we were kids that'd be awesome actually i want that now that sounds like a really good game um except for the transformers the movie part other than that it sounds great no no no, not transformers i'm talking about transformers cartoon the movie yeah gotcha uh, lawman uh, in the chat says that sometimes he, a reasonably intelligent adult, would sit there with his kids and scratch his head. I don't know what we're supposed to do next, kids. Sorry, game over. <laughs> <laughs> so he finds that even the Lego games can be a little, well, you know, challenging. Well, that's a discussion of game design where I feel like Assassin's Creed runs into that. I run into that problem with Assassin's Creed where so much of the game is telegraphed and you're, you're told exactly what to do and go here and you have the yellow line or GTA and you have the mini map telling you where to go, what to do, that then all of a sudden if the game stops doing that, it's far more difficult than a game like Portal where you know you're figuring things out along the way. And I, I agree, was that Lawman that said that in the chat? I agree the Lego games suffer from that, as do many other games where the most basic things, they hold your hand through. And then there's something that's, different and for no explained reason you're left with no indicator or no you know world indication or no map or how do you uh you know squirt or slide under a bridge or how do you squirt water out to mark something and it's just like what what happened here why did you not show us how to do that and that is so in my opinion one of the most frustrating things about games where they just all of a sudden abandon tips when they've been tipping you the whole time yeah, always tip tip your gamer. Always tip your gamer. Um, what about this interesting story sent in sort of at the last minute by our friend Ozzy at Shack News? Uh, evidently, Sony Online Entertainment has been sold. What? It's no longer a Sony joint. So it was sold to investment firm Columbus Nova, and it's now going to be known as Daybreak. Sony Online Entertainment is the division of Sony responsible for EverQuest, DCUO, Planetside, uh, they are the MMO division. It's no longer a Sony. Oh, this is kind of crazy. Is it? This is just happening. Evidently, just news just broke right before we went to air. So I'm not really sure what the ramifications are. But I guess it could mean that we might have multi-platform MMOs from this company rather than just Sony PC slash uh, PlayStation versions of these MMOs. Is that cool? What do you think? I think that has to be cool if more people are able to play them. And yeah, we're still digesting this. What I think is interesting as well is EverQuest Next. Is that was that what it was called or is going to be called? Yeah. I, for, I forget its actual name, but that got a lot of people hyped up. I mean, we were talking about that back on Week and Confirmed, and, and it, they were giving players a lot of tools, and it was a graphics overhaul, and it looked like a really cool reimagining, or they were really trying to rethink what an MMO could be or should be. And I wonder how much this will change 
uh, that development or, or what that game may or may not be. Pretty wild. Um, yeah, we'll have to see how this pans out. But uh, I'm interested to see what happens. It feels like Sony has been kind of distancing themselves from SOE and making it more of an autonomous unit up to this point anyway. So it's interesting that they broke it off. We, we had no indication that they were even on the on the sale block, you know, but uh, it happened. Um, this is an interesting article I wanted to bring up with you, Christian. I was hoping to bring it up with Cheapy. Um, the chat room told, said that he's so cheap that he can, he only will spend uh, half of it, an episode with us, but we'll get him back for a, a full episode at some point. He's a, he's a dad and he's got responsibilities. Um, so there's this op-ed piece on Polygon that I find very interesting because it speaks to really my generation of of gaming. I think it was Ben Kachera who wrote it. Uh, yeah, looks like him. And it's all about sort of the death of land parties. When I was, you know, growing up as a gamer, land parties were where it was at. Doom land parties, even, man, playing Warcraft 2 and StarCraft, the first StarCraft and the LAN party was so much fun. Counter-Strike, Halo, even when the first Xbox came out, people lugging their big old heavy Xboxes to one person's house, setting up multiple TVs, having a LAN party. And it sounds like the gaming industry has pretty much left LAN parties in the dust because uh, it's so easy to do internet-based multiplayer that nobody needs to sort of sit in the same room. And it's Ben's perspective that We've lost something there that the idea of sitting in the same room and playing these games with your friends is better or at least different and special. And that it's a it's a sad thing that we've lost that element. What What is your take? Did you ever participate in LAN parties? Yeah, I did a lot of LAN from PC games, mostly Doom and then Halo, lots of Halo carrying TVs and huge original Xboxes. And I don't disagree with his piece but i'm also the same age bracket and this is you know this will be in 10 years time a sandlot game but it's a sandlot movie i'm sorry but instead of the game the kids play in sandlot they're waxing nostalgic about a halo land party i don't necessarily disagree that gaming is different because of whatever but i don't think land partying ever would have existed if the companies were able to do internet online play because it, it's the type of thing where the game hasn't changed or, or I'm sorry let me let me start again the opportunity to play like that hasn't gone away but because we are provided with a more convenient way in which to play we choose not to all get together in the same room you could bring your tv over to my house jeff and i have fast enough internet that we just wouldn't need to run a cable from one room to another we would both be on my internet playing on our separate consoles, on our separate TVs. So in some ways, all it, and we'd be connecting via the internet instead of a, a LAN connection. It's just made it more convenient. But we don't do that because we can just play online with each other and talk over a headset as we did, um, you know, this past week. So the opportunity to get people together in one room still exists. It's just we choose not to do it. So, well, I mean, ben I don't goes think it's farther, the games. He but, goes farther and says that, that really games switching over to this sort of progression-based multiplayer where nobody nobody is starting from the same point when they start the game. You're starting from however far you've accumulated your progression. So that it really, even if we all we wanted to, you know, bring our consoles into the same physical space, we wouldn't have the same experience as a LAN party because you're not it's not pure skill-based. It's skill plus gear plus 
progression plus perks plus all that stuff that's been lumped onto these games, which he points out, and I agree, is a great part of gaming. It's not bad in and of itself to have progression. It's it's a fun carrot on a stick. It just means that the entire industry has sort of de-incentivized that type of play. Not only that, but you can't really even the function the pure functionality of lands isn't built into games anymore. Uh, what's your take on the progression argument? It, it's what we wanted. It's Call of Duty 4 was a monster, and everybody jumped on that bandwagon. And then Halo 3 multiplayer was still very much skill-based, or whatever the last Halo along those veins was. And it wasn't as popular on the Xbox Live activity chart, or whatever it's called. And But I think we're seeing the pendulum shift or swing back to that. And maybe it is just nostalgic gamers, but Cliff Blazinski talking about you know his next game. It looks like it's going to be an arena-based shooter. Um, oh, come on, brain! Why are you going blank right now? Twisted Metal Jaffe. You yeah. know he tried. He created a, a Twisted Metal again for the PlayStation Three. That was very much original Twisted Metal, and it mm-hmm. didn't sell gangbusters. I think it made a profit, but wasn't a huge hit by any stretch of the imagination. And then there are still games, you know, Street Fighter is still isn't, you're not unlocking new geese for Ryu. Does he see any gi? I think it's a gi. Or headbands or, you know, boots for Chun-Li or whatever. And so those games are still out there. And there are still big get-together tournaments out there, um, like Quake Fest and um, Evo that are fighting games and different games. I think they're still there. I feel like what Ben was going through is just missing college. <laughs> which i get it i get that's it that's a I fair miss, point that's a fair point i miss smash and blitz 2000 in my college dorm all the time but i also think it was great that you and i sat down you and i i'm assuming we both did it this way i could be mistaken but you and i never left our house we purchased one of the biggest games to come out this past week dying light uh you know we got it onto our consoles and we sat and played it and we could have done all of that naked that's cool <laughs> yeah, we we certainly could have. We <laughs> but neither of us did. We we could have though. Right. Yeah, I mean hypothetically. So I get it. <laughs> and and I do feel that same way when over I bought Smash for Wii U mostly because I was having my brothers over and and uh Philippe Bosher was over for Thanksgiving and we played couch co-op and Nintendo just added I think 15 new stages for eight player Smash. Talk about I know it's not LAN, but couch co-op or couch i guess it's not co-op is it couch competitive <laughs> so they're still out there uh we miss them but we don't play them and support them and, and do them let me give you my take on this because i think there's a little more to it than that i mean I, I think you're fundamentally right that it's sort of like oh when i was a kid we used to get together and it's like well people are still getting together but i do think there's more to it than that i think that there, this feeds into the idea that gaming is, you're playing with this sort of nameless, faceless void of competitive fodder. And I think that does contribute to the general lack of civility that you see online, rather than the idea that we're getting together like we would at a, uh, flag football game in the park or a pickup basketball game on the blacktop or a land party where we're all sort of getting together in one location. We all know each other before to- beforehand and we're, we're having this fun. Maybe there's smack talk. Maybe there's high competitive juices flowing, but it's good natured that we've 
move beyond that to where you're just throwing yourself into this sea of anonymity and pure competition that the people themselves are fading away and it's just your opponent that I want to get my kill against. And I think that's, there's something to that in the sense that gaming has become so full of animosity and strife and smack talk and just negativity. Am I banging the wrong drum here? So I totally, I totally agree. And in in part, and I want to stand on that mountain with you like that Coca-Cola commercial. If only I could spill Coke on, no a, on a server on a server rack and make people happy. I couldn't. I would just get fired. If I, <laughs> yeah, if that poor in real life, that guy just gets fired. He wakes up from that daydream and comes home and tells his his spouse <laughs> that he no longer has a job. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think what you're saying. The problem isn't caused by the games not being there to do the thing. It's, it's how we're choosing to engage in them. Well, and and dial, dialing all the way back, I've seen a lot of fights, like actual fights, like dudes. I, I saw one dude. I shouldn't say dudes. I saw a dude lose teeth at a pickup basketball game on a blacktop. You know, these were real life people looking each other in the face. They got together. Two teams started playing. They picked teams and stuff got nasty. People are jerks and people get competitive and people say mean things. There is no smack talk, in my opinion, like the smack talk on a blacktop for that rhymed at a pickup basketball game. Two, yeah, playing with anonymous people with no stakes or whatever or, or no way for you to hurt them or know where they live or hold them accountable for the things they say adds an extra level of meanness to it. But play with people you know. It's, it, you know, it's kind of... Yeah. It's an old, it's an old saying and it, it still doesn't change. And the, the beauty is, the, the Jeff Kanata way to look at it is, hey, isn't this great? Gaming now allows you to play with almost anyone anywhere. And if you don't have any immediate friends that are available... You can jump online and find a game with someone, and then fingers crossed, hopefully it's a good game. And if you don't want to do that, you can still schedule play with your friends, but now you don't need to go over to their house. You can play at your own house on your own big TV. And so I think, you know, blaming it on technology and gaming changing is the wrong focus for it. I think it's only gotten easier and better. It maybe is just pointing, a, shining a light on us that human beings are awful. <laughs> but it's not, I don't think it's gaming or technology's fault for people not playing games that way fair enough it is time now to think our second sponsor which is squarespace hopefully you've heard me talk about squarespace before because i love squarespace squarespace is your all-in-one website blog online store creation platform it is the easiest way to create the website that you need when you need it where you need it make it look great and you don't have to be a programmer you don't have to know html it's great simple it's powerful and you make beautiful interesting unique websites they have so many templates for you to use but your website never ends up looking like a template because you've got as everyone on twitter and on our reddit has said that i say drag and drop which is when your dragon helps you drop things no drag and drop it's easy it's what you see is what you get wizzy wig type design you just drag that picture over to your site plop it in it's easy and at only eight bucks a month you get a free domain name if you buy squarespace for the year they have 24 7 support so even if you run into a problem they'll 
help you out. I've used it myself. My website, jeffcanada.com, is housed on Squarespace, has been for years and years. I'm so happy with their service. They make it so easy. They have a responsive design. Your website scales to any device. So you don't have to worry about what device people are visiting your site on. They've got this new feature called Cover Pages, which makes it easy to create a one-stop, beautiful, just splash page for more simple projects that you might need. And they have commerce. Every single website comes with a free online store. If you, so if you need to sell anything, boom, you got all the tools you need. Drag your dragon to drop your dragon. Drop. Here's the thing. You don't even have to use a credit card. You don't even have to input any way for them to charge you money to try Squarespace, which is what makes it so cool. With no credit card required, you can start using their site, build your website, see how the tools work, see if you like it. And then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, you use our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E with no spaces. You go to that squarespace.com slash DLC, build your website, use that promo code Jeff sent me. We'll give you 10% off your first purchase. You show support for DLC. You make it possible for us to make this show and you have your cool looking website. Zip, zip, no problem. Easy peasy. So thanks to Squarespace. Squarespace.com slash DLC. Jeff sent me is the promo code you want. Uh, all right, let's head over to the playlist. Playlist is where we talk about the things that have been on our playlist, and our playlist synced up, as you referenced earlier, Christian, because you and I have both been playing Dying Light. In fact, we played a little co-op action together. What's your take on Dying Light? Um, I really, really want to like it. And I told you this while we were playing. I think, and I didn't know this before, it was only, so, backing all the way up, Dying Light, very much Dead Island meets Mirror's Edge. I think that's a very safe way to describe the game. The lines aren't as punishing as in Mirror's Edge. If you miss a line, the level's over. You have to restart to get a jump kind of thing. But they really wanted to make parkouring and running and navigating the rooftops of this world an important part of the game from what I've played of it. And then while the combat isn't like Dead Island 1 where you can do analog combat, it otherwise feels very similar where you can focus on different body parts and it's a lot of bludgeoning before you start getting some weapons and ammo is limited and weapons break and degrade much like they did in Dead Island. It has more polish than any Dead Island game I played. It it seems like it's, you know, they spent more time or maybe had a more budget behind it. And I love Techland, the developer behind this game. I mean, well, I love some of what they do. There's good Techland (laughs) and bad Techland. Uh, Call of War as Gunslinger, It's still one of my favorite experiences from two years ago now, 2013, I think it was, last gen. Mm -hmm. So Dying Light, I didn't know this until I played it, but I think my the zombie run around kill thing game that I'm looking for is something in between Dead Island, I'm sorry, Dead Island, um, Dead Rising 3 and Dying Light. I want a hybrid of the two or something between Sunset Overdrive and Dead Island 3. I love the idea of cool movement and taking dudes out, but I don't like the idea of my pipe breaking and you love needing taking to spend... dudes out. <laughs> yeah, to, totally. To dinner and zombie dudes to um, night night. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Um, they're already dead. To the final destination, five three D. I, I don't. I don't like that aspect of it, and I also think it's interesting where the running and, and the parkour is also. It's weird. 
it, it's realistic, but not at times. And it's that weird mix that I can't quite get my hand around to make it as fun as it should be. I mean, Jeff, what about you? Did, does any of that make sense? Or yeah. am I Yeah, no, it makes a, a lot island? of sense. You're, you're on a dead island uh, and the light is dying. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, we talked about this a lot while we were playing it together. The, I think 90% of the issues that I have with this game would be fixed if I could just pop into third person mode. I think I would be having so much more fun playing this game in third person. I respect the idea of creating a dynamic, interesting, compelling narrative in, in first person, which they really did a good job of here. Uh, in Dying Light, you know, it, it reminds me almost of the Metro games. Um, in how well the universe is conveyed, how well the story is conveyed. There's a lot of, of establishing the universe when you first start this game and a lot of, of really creating this foreboding sense of, of what it might be like to live on this crazy place with these zombies that are, uh, you know, t- taking over the, and how you, you have to find shelter and you, and you have to get above them to survive. All that stuff is, is conveyed so well. And I like, storytelling in first person. I find myself very much immersed in that world, you know, in a half-life or, uh, you know, there's a lot of games that use first person well to, to convey story and to put you in that place. And this game does that too. Metro is another one. Um, but when you start flippity dipping around the, the universe and leaping up to, to ledges and grabbing onto things and trying to make your line and, and figure out where you're going, and you're also being pursued by fast zombies and slow zombies and trying to have your bearings and do all that quickly, it becomes so disorienting to me to, Run, 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 leap, have my face smashed up against the side of a building. Did I catch that ledge? Oh, okay, I did catch that ledge. Now I'm climbing up. Now my face is looking at my shoes. Now it's looking up at the sky. Oh, there's crap. There's still a zombie up here. That all creates a sense of tension, but it's not a sense of tension I enjoy. It's a sense of tension based on feeling out of control and disoriented, which I understand maybe even have been a goal of the design. It just not... I just want to have a just let me look at this situation from a broader perspective and know exactly where my guy is in relation to all these other things. Adding to that, the fact that you are this superhuman in a lot of ways, able to run large distances, leap over buildings and and climb up, scamper up things uh, like a, a, you know, a, a high end, resilient human. But you're not superhuman. You, you, if you fall off stuff, you break your legs. I broke my legs in this game a lot. I'm a leg breaking MFR, MFR. It's a, it's a leg breaking game for me. It's a leg breaking simulation. Um, and I just, I just, that's not fun. Like, let me fall off stuff and be okay. And I get it. The whole point of this game is to be fragile, be, uh, be human, to be in peril against the superhuman enemy. But, it's more fun if I can just jump off this cool building and land and do a tuck roll and keep going like I can in a lot of other games. Well, um, I feel like I feel like it's a disconnect though, and I'm not trying to put you your square peg into my round hole that I meant what I said when I said that. Um, but I feel like it, it is the disconnect between the things because sometimes, like I, if I jumped off my roof, I would break my legs, if not worse. But at the same time, I also can't climb up a telephone pole, a sheer telephone pole, in two seconds, whereas your right. character in Dying Light can. And so when you jump well, climb it, up this telephone pole, you expect other awesome abilities that you then don't 
have. I agree with you, but in their defense, like there is a person that can do that, right? There isn't a person that could fall two stories and not break their leg. So I get where they're trying to position the game. Like you are the best of humans, but I'm also in a video game where I'm trying to leap onto this ledge. It's not super clear to me if I'm going to land there or not. There's no great indicator as to whether or not I'm going to make this jump. And when I'm just trying to scamper around your world or reach a switch that I need to flip at the top of something and I make a leap that I think I'm going to make and then I don't and I break both my legs, it's just, uh, it's just not fun. And the fact that they have late in the game a grappling hook that like, simplifies all this and changes the game a hundred percent from what it was at the beginning like give me that earlier i I don't and a a totally (sighs) unrealistic grappling hook so we should also mention we we played with anthony taormina who's been on this show friend of the show writes over at at game rant and i think he put up his review over there so if you want to read someone that's completed the game um he can give better insight in terms of end game stuff but yeah the the grappling hook zipline thing it's not it's not a realistic zip line. Like we were playing the second map or second environment of the game later after you had to leave Jeff and you know, he launches this thing across buildings and then goes straight as an arrow over there. It's not like Indiana Jones swinging. It's here's a hundred meters. I'm going to go in a straight line, slam into this other building and be a okay. That's right. not how that would work. That, and then he also gave us some awesome weapons or some better late game weapons. And I think that, made the game immediately more fun for me. I, I think, yeah, if we had the zip line and we had some of those awesome, more resilient blades early in the game, I think the game would be far more enjoyable than it was from a, a slog and a progression standpoint. Well, that's the weird balance that they have to reach, right? Which is make it a progression, make you feel like you go from from underpowered to powerful over the course of the role-playing like accumulation of skills, but not create a beginning of the game that feels like a slog as you said and this one does a little bit like i i i don't mean to be negative about dying light because i think it has a lot of really great things going for it i think it looks beautiful i think the universe as i said is really interesting the storytelling is great there's enough variety in the environments that makes it fascinating to just sort of explore i love the fact that it it's got this elements of of the fallout games where you're scavenging for things i love i love that in games i love scavenging i love finding crap and building crap with the crap that i found i like the idea that if i'm interested in going down that in in looking in that corner i will be rewarded it may be a stupid little rinky dink reward that's just a piece of you know mishigas that i can build into something else but at least it's something It, it rewarded me for exploration and this game does that really well it creates this interesting sense of of uh just this a a world full of things which i really like i just don't enjoy you know i'm sort of over zombies anyway and i I don't enjoy the feeling of, of oppression from zombies. I much prefer it feeling more like a playground. And maybe in that end game, when you are overpowered, it will feel like a playground. But there's so much playing that I've done where I don't feel that way, where I do feel scared. And, and it's just not what I enjoy as much. I think they do it very well, and they clearly want to create that sense. So if you're into that, you'll probably dig it. I just would rather be having fun than being petrified and running for my life and and to reinforce what you're saying you want 
being petrified isn't fun. You're not saying that it can't be fun. You want right. to be having your style of fun, not this other. I thing. think there's plenty of people that are going to dig the that feeling of being scared and just narrowly escaping the 30 zombies that are over that next rise by leaping and jumping on their head and jumping up to a telephone pole. I think that's cool. Theoretically. I think that if I was doing that, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's what I love about infamous, right. Or crackdown. But when I'm doing that in third person, I just feel much more in control of my, my character. Um, what did you think of their implementation of co-op? Because we played, co-op and i think it's a really interesting unique take on it i love the fact this is the kind of game you want to be able to play in co-op for sure um and and dead island is another one that excelled in co-op was a much more fun game in co-op than it was single player but they also add in these weird challenges that pop up constantly where you can and it'll initiate it'll offer up a challenge just in the course of playing a single player objective when you have a co-op player with you so if if you need to get to a certain place on the map it'll say hey do you guys want to race there see who gets there first or hey there's a bunch of zombies outside the door do you want to see who can kill the most of them it's interesting but it felt a little bit like a speed bump at times What, what was your feeling on that yeah, well, so they're totally opt-in on, we played on PlayStation 4, and to do it, you, you know, hold down the touchpad on the, on, I guess it's only one, the touchpad on the controller, and so the only annoyance is having that thing pop up in your screen. What I think is weird is that if I, I'm like, yeah, let's race there, and I push it, it then sends a notification to you that I've opted in, but until you opt in, I'm just frozen, sit, <laughs> sitting yeah. there waiting for you to opt in and it's not super long maybe five seconds or whatever it is but i think that is a is a speed bump for sure and so the other part of the game then is it's cool i guess because it is an option but it is it is weird to include because it does again change the the style of game i feel like where you get this opt-in thing and now we're racing and is that what the game's supposed to be or am i supposed to be taking my time and having fun in this deep crafted world and finding loot and i guess you can do both but Again, it, it, this game to me feels like a bunch of disconnected ideas that none of them alone rise above the others to make it super fun. I, I think it's a great game to come out in this time of year or, you know, just before all the craziness of February and March starts. If you're looking for something to play, I think you can have a lot of fun with it. But I, I do, I feel like, I also feel like first person games are entering the territory now where driving games have struggled for a while. And I think, Jeff, you call it the seat of your pants feel like even in cockpit view of a first person game, it's not the same as actually driving in the car where you can tell, Oh crap, <laughs> I'm going too fast for this turn. And these run around first person games and dying light doesn't have a HUD or a mini map. Or I mean, it has a, a map you can pull up, but not a, a radar. So you don't know if a zombie's behind you in real life and dying light. I was playing with headphones. It has, seems to have great sound direction, and sound design, but in real life I can hear and, and locate things better with my ears. And I also am more spatially aware of than just what, you know, what a first person screen can, can portray. I have my peripheral vision, my head moving back and forth. I can peek behind me quickly without getting motion sick <laughs> the way a first yeah. person game often feels. And I feel like everybody still loves the idea of actually being able to go do parkour, parkour, but conveying that in a video game is still difficult because First-person perspective is not real life through my eyeballs. Well, interestingly, evidently this game is one of the few real AAA titles to support Oculus. And I was reading about that. Um, I found myself wishing I could be in an Oculus just playing it 
a little bit. Uh, evidently, it's not um, – they didn't go very far in support of the Oculus. They sort of just threw it in there, and they didn't optimize the game for that. So there's a lot of – from what I read, there's a lot of uh, – like when the game takes over your view during the story elements, it's a lot of like, oh, I'm walking – oh, barf, barf. Oh, my God, barf. It's <laughs> like, what, why am I moving this way? Um but uh, but int- it would be I think this would this is the kind of game that I want to be inside the world rather than looking at it on a flat surface because of all those things you just mentioned. Um, anyway, really interesting, really interesting game. I'd love to hear what more people have to say about it. Um, what else is on your your playlist, Christian? So I I need more consoles to come out with more things to put on or in front of my TV because congratulations, Nintendo, you did it. You did it, you dang dirty apes. You got me. I set up my motion sensor, whatever that thing is called. So now in front of my TV, I have my Kinect, my PlayStation camera, and my Wii motion thingy plugged into my Wii U. Metroid Prime Trilogy is available currently, still for a little bit of time, for $10 on the Wii U eShop. I have played all of those games and I love all those games. They are some of my favorite games. I could not, I could not resist. So I fired up Metroid Prime One, which is good, good game. Great. It's and it's a GameCube game, and they did, you know, they gave it a little bit of polish when they re-released it as the trilogy for the Wii. It's only motion controlled now, the the same way that Metroid Prime Three Corruption is that Corruption, the, the Metroid Prime so, yeah. Three control scheme is now applied to one and two, so you can't do a controller. But I liked, I thought the control scheme was very effective in Metroid Prime 3. Man, the game, the graphics are dated, low res, textures, blah, blah, blahs. But the the world that Retro builds, playing this game reminded me how much it is one of my favorite games, and I need to just keep it in my top ten forever, because it's amazing. And two, man, I want a new one. Oh, <laughs> why isn't that already happened? Yeah, I don't know. Did did you play all of these, or just did you kind of people fell out? I of did, love and two, I know. No, I I played all of them. The third one was uh, very frustrating uh, in a lot of ways. The enemy design, especially the bosses, were really frustrating. But I finished all three of them. Um, yeah, the first one is a is a true masterpiece in my opinion, for sure. It uh, really is. It's it's amazing, and replaying it. I, it's the same. It's so good. Uh, let's go to the phones. We don't we don't have Cheapy on with us anymore, so let's get uh, let's get a call. We haven't had a call in a couple of weeks, so uh, I got somebody on the line here from the eight one six area code. Uh, what is your name? Where are you calling from? And uh, what's on your playlist? Hi, Jeff. Uh, my name is Austin, and I'm calling from the Kansas City area. And I've been playing a little bit of uh, Idarb and Alien Isolation. I have heard such good things about iDarb, which is I drew a ball, right? Uh, it drew a red box. It drew a red box. Yes, that shows you how dumb I am. I couldn't remember that. Uh, tell me about – I want to play this game. I heard it's really, really fun. Tell me why you're playing it and if you're digging it. Well, I mainly play it because it's got Twitter integration and Twitch integration. So if um, somebody's watching my stream like I did this morning – Somebody can go into my game and uh, use one of the hash bombs, which are like ha- uh, hashtag boo or hashtag Sephiroth, hashtag Minecraft, and it'll actually affect what's going on in your game. Crazy. That sounds really, really fun. 
Um, what about Alien Isolation? You're you're digging on that game? Or you how far along are you? I'm about halfway through. I won't spoil anything because it is a fantastic game. Um, but I am to the point where I tried to trap the alien. Mm-hmm. Never and, a good, um, never a good plan. <laughs> oh, well, I just got the flamethrower, so that should be fun. Uh, I've I actually used it, so I'm just like, I right, gotta save my fuel, gotta save my fuel. But yeah, I, I just got to the uh, past the flashback point. Crazy, and it just that is um, pretty fantastic and awe inspiring, uh, especially since it's actually connected to Alien. But it's not right. so connected that it's just uh, overbearing. Right. Yeah. No. It, uh, very good game. Again, one of those <laughs> similar to <laughs> similar to Dying Light, where you know my particular joy from gaming does not come from feeling like I'm going to be eaten by an alien every two seconds. <laughs> so it's a hard one for me to get really, really into. Um, but man, I want to play iDarb. I've heard such good things about it and it's evidently free right now on uh, Xbox live gold. If you're a gold subscriber. So uh, Christian, both of us should probably pick that up. Uh, you're a gold subscriber, right? Yeah. I don't know why. And I love hearing people excited about it. It just doesn't do any, I don't know why it, I I won't. I chances of me playing this game are very slim. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's uh, take this call from eight five zero area code. What is your name? Where you calling from? And what's on your playlist? Uh, uh, Matthew from Tampa. Hey Matthew, and welcome I, back. Yeah, I got to uh, along other things, but I got to play the uh, codename Steam demo that Nintendo released last week. Are you digging it? Yeah, I am. It's very much a cross of XCOM and Valkyria Chronicles and actually really fun. And the demo is surprisingly meaty, about an hour and a half of content. Uh, Christian, is this something you're going to be playing? I feel like you're Mr. 2DS downloads. Yeah, how how am I Mr. Nintendo? What, in what cruel world am I the one that sings Nintendo's praises? I'm jumping on Club Nintendo points is where I'm going to be. Sp- <laughs> I'm, I'm, spoiler alert, I'm spending all of my Club Nintendo points on games I can play on my 3DS because you can get them cheap. I've got a good amount of points. So that I'm going to be diving into some old classics, some Metroid, GBA, or nice. Game Boy, not even GBA. That's where I'm going with my with my gaming time. But play Club Name Steam, dude. I guess I could dig out my 3DS, but it feels so old and busted now that it's not new. It doesn't even have new in the name. So Codename Steam isn't my kind of game, though. You know what I mean? It is your kind no, of game. It's XCOM. It is my kind of game, yeah. It's not my kind it's of game. It's not Shovel Knight. Did you not like Valkyria Chronicles? No. Yeah, dude, that I game mean, is so good. It's, it, I'm sure it is. It's, it's, just not, it's not for me. I'm sorry, no. listeners, that... Um, other people have been giving us gripes. <laughs> Part of the reason we don't have super engaging conversations sometimes on games is we just like different games. And I try to sit here and sing the praises of Shovel Knight, and you're like Yawnsville, <laughs> and then you talk oh, about. I think that's good. I think it's good to talk have about varied opinions. Heroes of the Storm, and I'm like, who cares? Um, we overlap only in, in a dying light. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we have guests on, and I, I too have been reading. There's some great feedback uh, in threads in, on the subreddit. If you guys, I would love more voices involved there. I feel like it's only three or four different people giving us that feedback, and I, it is valued, and we're taking it into account. Um, I'd love to know. Yeah, I mean, we had a bottom. 
<laughs> we had a couple of uh, episodes back to back with no calls whatsoever. Had some calls this week. I would love to know if people value the calls, like the calls, or if we should just abandon them. Uh, you know, we're, we're starting a new year here. We're into the second month of a new year. I'd love to get more feedback on what you value in the show, what what kinds of things you, you want to uh, keep around. Uh, one of the things that's not going away, despite Christian's best efforts, is tabletop time, which we will get to right after this word from our sponsor, our sponsor, 5-4 Club. 5-4 Club, oh man, Re- recent new addition to our sponsor team, and uh, I couldn't be more excited because they solved this problem that I have, which is I hate, I hate going to the store and shopping for clothes. I really genuinely do. Ask my wife. She can't get me to do it is it's just it's so guys it's so boring to shop for clothes that's why five four club is so rad because five four club is this cool contemporary apparel brand they're unique they're not found in in you know every store so it's not everybody's wearing their clothes but they're cool and stylish and then this five four club creates this mail shopping service so basically what happens is you fill out your profile, t-shirt and jeans, dress to impress, or business casual. And then they sign a stylist to you, and they send you a box of clothes, heavily discounted, that is in that style that you prefer. And the clothes are really cool. They're very contemporary and neat. I was telling people last week about how I was just trying on some of the clothes, and my wife came in the room, and she was like, oh my god, you look great. Where did you get those? I was like, this new sponsor of our show. She's like, no, really? Those look awesome. And then I told her that I mentioned that on the show and she was all tickled because uh, it really happened. I was like, yeah, people didn't believe that it actually happened, but it totally happened. Anyway, I've been wearing the jacket, which is this jacket shirt combo thing. It's not their name for it. That's my name for it. Anyway, I was wearing it all week. People were giving me compliments on it at my play. Uh, it's just, it's really great. I'm, I'm actually wearing, they sent me some pants. I'm wearing the pants right now, uh, which is weird because I don't usually wear pants for the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, five, four club, you, it just 60 bucks a month. You'll receive $120 or more worth of clothing, which is cool. And we're going to give you a huge discount. If you use the promo code DLC 20 off, that's, uh, the number two zero. So DLC two zero O F F, uh, after you go to get five, four.com. DLC 20 off, get you $20 off your first order. So it's only 40 bucks for your first order. Really, really cool. Also, you have your own referral code. So if you refer people, you'll get even more money off, which is awesome. And um, I have been really tickled this week seeing how many people have sent me tweets telling me that they signed up uh, because we mentioned it. Because it, this is like the thing that I've been waiting for <laughs> because I hate, I hate shopping. Uh, okay, so now it is time for a tabletop time. Right now, right now. I haven't done a lot of uh, tabletopping this week because I have uh, been working so hard. I am uh, doing my play. We opened my play. It's been going well. Crazy, crazy. But... Uh, I wanted, did want to talk about a board game that a lot of people in the chat in previous weeks have mentioned, and that is Sentinels of the Multiverse. Sentinels of the Multiverse is a superhero-based board game, card game, really, um, where you get, pardon me, you get to um, create a superhero team, have superhero powers. They're all unique to the game. They're not based on any existing licenses, uh, but they're cool. They're clever. 
great art, really fun uh, characters, cool powers, and rotating different enemies. So the enemy you're fighting in that game uh, is different. It's a co-op game. You can fight against uh, different enemies every time. They have different powers. So the game has a lot of replayability. But the reason I bring it up is because there recently was a Steam version of this game that hit, I think it's very inexpensive. I think it's like 15 bucks. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what it is. Uh, and I've been playing that on Steam. And man, the implementation on Steam is great. Uh, very impressed. They kept all the wonderful art. Big splash pages. It's got this comic book aesthetic where it, you turn a page and it looks like you're turning a comic book page. Uh, but the core gameplay stays the same. It, it's, it teaches you the game really well and effectively, which I think is a, a very big part of taking a board game and making it digital. I think that is the biggest boon you can give a potential gamer when they're trying your game digitally is teach them how to play it well. Uh, I think Star Realms did a great job with their app in doing that. And I think Sentinels of the Multiverse does that well as well. Um, so again, it's, the, it's you know, you're compiling these decks of cards that have superpowers. You have your different superheroes and you're using them to attack or, or you know, uh, mitigate the damage you're getting from the enemies. And it's great. I highly recommend it. I think uh, I think they did a really bang up job making it digital it retains all of the charm of that superhero universe retains all the charm of of doing battle with superpowers and having that fun comic book aesthetic but eliminates the one of the things about sentinels which was how many cards there were the shuffling the setting up of everything which you know in a game like that or even uh, Dominion or, you know, these games with lots and lots of cards, if you don't have a cool storage solution, if you're pulling things out and organizing every time, it can get to be a bit of a bit of a pain. So digital versions, uh, uh, you know, eliminate that stress and, and make the game easy to pop in, play a couple of rounds and pop back out, which is which is why I dig it. So again, that's Sentinels of the Multiverse. Christian, we still have to get our... Uh, X or X Wing game scheduled in. Now that my show is closing this week, next weekend, we should uh, make that happen. I want to ask you a question about. I, I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this before. Where do you stand on the digitization of of board games? I mean, I think if I'm, I'm going to try to express your feelings, and you tell me how wrong I get. You like it because it gets people more into board games. Potentially, it can serve as a gateway drug into gate into actual tabletop gaming. But I feel like in your ideal world, in the world where Kanata, you know, and where Superman is a Russian and Kanata runs, <laughs> Kanata runs the world, and Bruce's parents are still alive. Wait, why does Superman have to be a Russian if I'm running the world? Is, is it, we're in that weird, bizarre. We're in that bizarre world, not ah. with the one with Bizarro. It's the Red Sun, and Bruce's parents <laughs> right. are alive. Fair enough. And for some weird reason, Marvel doesn't exist in your world. I don't know why my references were only DC references, but that's that's what that's happened. Who and you are. And Disney still bought Star Wars, but they retconned it so that only the prequels are canon. <laughs> <laughs> Why does my universe suck so bad? Well, it's a, only a crappy universe. Only a universe that bad would finally realize the only thing that could save them would be Kanata running it. And you know what I mean? They needed that bright light <laughs> there of you go. Um, being Good happy. Save. But in your ideal world, I feel like people would only would play actual tabletop gaming as you were waxing nostalgic, agreeing with Ben's article about land gaming. <laughs> I fear that you think the digitization of board games is the same problem. Well, I'm not that stringent about it. It's not ideal. It's uh, what the thing I like about board games isn't 
present in the digital version. Uh, but some of the things that I like, I should say the thing I like most isn't present, but some of the things that I like uh, are present. I mean, p- the pure mechanics of the games are are great. And to learn a game, as I said, having a digital version where you can learn the rules and the best iOS versions or Android versions or even these Steam versions, the best of them communicate the rules of the game effectively, concisely, and clearly in a, in a great tutorial. And that's something that you just can't get out of a, out of a box, right? You can't, a game can't teach itself to you when it's just a, a, you know, a rule book, you have to sort of learn it the hard way. And I think that turns a lot of people off to board gaming. And it's a great way to make the interactivity of the digital version work for the game in, in communicating its rule set. But you lose that wonderful tactile sense that I think I am so giddy about when it comes to board games. I love the bits and pieces. I love setting things up and moving them about. I love the box. I just, I'm, I'm into all that for some reason. And I also love sitting around that table and sharing some, some chips and salsa while, while we, you know, try to amass the largest army or did you create say the best, uh, did you economic say salsa? Engine. Is there a Z in salsa? salsa? Did you salsa. say salsa? Salsa? Salsa. It's chowda. Chowda uh, and salsa. <laughs> salsa and salsa. Salsa salsa. So why not just live in that world and love it? And who cares if other people don't get into it? Well, uh, I mean, I just, I kind <laughs> of want to, I don't understand on. what you mean. I, I you know, I, <laughs> I want to expand that universe. I have more of a pool of people to potentially play with, but, but I, you know, I will jump into a game of Lahav on my iPad from now and every now and again, I will, you know, I will play, uh, Agricola on my iPad. I will pay, play, um, even ticket to ride on my iPad. It, it, yeah, sure. If, if I'm, if I have some downtime, sure. I'd like to bend my mind toward that strategic gameplay. I like doing that kind of thing. So in, instead of a game that's curated to actually take full advantage of the media in, in which it's played. And I don't know if XCOM is that, but I don't know. I feel like we're in this world where oftentimes, and this is true going the other way too, where. I think XCOM, the board game, which we played, I guess that's maybe the only off the grid we'll do. We were so excited. We had so many more, uh, man, lined up. Maybe we'll find another yeah. outlet that you have and I can still do that. Um, but, you know, taking a, a, a video game IP and putting it into a board game, and I get it. I, I buy Amiibos. I buy Marvel trinkets. I, I, I get it. Here's an IP. I buy Lego games. <laughs> I get it. But instead of playing Ticket to Ride on your iPad, isn't there a better game that's built for the iPad? Sometimes, yeah. But you know, sometimes I'm I want to play one of those type of games, and there's nobody around, and I can just play it by myself. Or sometimes, you know, it's great to be able to play those games on a train, <laughs> to play Ticket to Ride on an actual train. You know, if, I, if I'm sitting on a, a a bus or a train or something with somebody that wants to play it, and we can't physically set up all those bits and pieces, or it just becomes impractical, yeah, we can p- do pass and play. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And and, and those gameplay uh, systems are really fun to dip your toe into, and, and it's fun to like try a strategy when you don't have to worry about your friends feeling like you're messing up a game of Puerto Rico because you tried a weird strategy. Well, I think Kent Doggy Dog in the chat has nailed it. He says that I'm trying to call you a boardist, and I am. I'm going to call you Jeff Kanata, a boardist and a PC elitist. 
and you should wear those those labels proudly. And quit I don't trying know. to come into my console comf- my comfy <laughs> console confines. <laughs> I don't understand how I got this PC elitist thing. I'll take Bordist <laughs> and wear that proudly, but I don't understand how that happened. Like I used to be Mister Console. It's just cyclical, man. And somehow I saw somebody in the chat say that earlier too. That if you spell Jeff Kanata backwards, it spells PC elitist. <laughs> and I don't, I don't understand how I got that. Like I dig PC games, yeah, but I, I don't know. No, no, Jeff. Do you realize what's happening? We're five years away from Superman living in Russia and <laughs> Batman's parents still being alive because we are living in a world where I am the guiding light shining beacon of this show. <laughs> I am the piece. You're I Mr. Am the Nintendo. Raw, raw Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did it. I did it. My, my plan to take full control and to crush Jeff Kanata's spirits is finally... Finally actualizing. Well, you, you basically did the equivalent of duck season, wabbit season, duck season, wabbit season, wabbit season, duck season on me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All in your segment of tabletop time. Congratulations, <laughs> me. <laughs> that happened. All right, let's wrap this puppy up. Um, we'll have a couple of a uh, couple of parting gifts coming up for you. I'm sad that Chibi didn't get to stay longer. He was a really fun guest. We have to thank him for being here again. That's um, at was it at Cheap Ass Gamer. At CheapyD is at his Cheapy personal, and then the website, yeah, it's Cheap Ass Gamer, and their podcast is called The Cag Cast. Right. Um, what uh, What do you got going on this week? Um, I am doing, in, in February, and I think a few listeners are say they're coming out, I will be at the North Carolina Comedy Arts Festival over and around Valentine's Day weekend. I'm bringing... Um, my show Improv versus Stand Up out there. We're going to do a version of it, and uh, I'm super excited. I'm hosting it. We're putting it together with Boris Hyken, who hosts our um, New York show. Sorry, my phone is ringing because I didn't turn it off. And that's going to be awesome. That's over Valentine's weekend in North Carolina. And people have asked what other shows, if they are going to be there then. Maria Bamford is there that weekend. Go see Maria Bamford when she is in North Carolina. It is going to be Awesome. And then this Thursday, if you're in LA, I do a sketch show once a month at the Nerdist showroom called Sketch Melt. And it is this Thursday I'll be doing characters and sketch comedy uh, along with some other funny people. What about you? You're, you're, this is the last weekend for your for your play. It is. Yeah, we close uh, sex, or excuse me, Love, Sex, and the IRS. I don't know why that one came out first. Uh, Love, Sex, and the IRS. We've been doing... Um, down at Palos Verdes Performing Arts uh, and getting great reviews, I w- might add. Um, fun show, lots of laughs. Closes this Sunday. Um, and uh, yeah, you can check out We Have Concerns over at wehaveconcerns.com. It's the uh, comedy show I do with Anthony Carboni. I think we have a very special first guest ever. We had uh, Justin Robert Young from the um, illustrious Night Attack show with Brian Brushwood. He came on and was our first guest, so that'll be an interesting change of pace for the show. Um, check that out next week. Also, uh, the Slash Film Cast will be reviewing... We did American Sniper last week. We'll be reviewing uh, Inherent Vice this week, so check that out. Um, and uh, what else was I going to bring up? There was something else I had to plug, but I can't remember what it is. Um, yeah, if again, if anybody has a competitive ranked Heroes of the Storm team and they are interested in having a, a new member, I'm, I think I want to dip my toe in playing ranked and being competitive and trying to get better. So uh, at Jeff Kanata is where you 
Tell me about that. And also, again, we're looking for feedback on the show for this year. So, um, you know, constructive criticism is great or things you like. Hey, a novel idea. Tell us the things that you really like. That would be fun, too, instead of just uh, things you don't. Um, Got to thank uh, GBD for being here. Got to thank uh, our callers that called in this episode. Thank you for that. Uh, I have to thank uh, Hattie and the folks over at DLC, or, excuse me, at 5 by 5 for um, – for producing the show, and um, we dedicate this episode uh, to Andrew Yoon, who touched all of our lives and um, made made them better just just by his presence. I hope you can do the same. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place. <laughs>